So we want to get uh, down to scripture and into God's word today. And, and so, so I'm, I'm a missionary uh, coming in today from Kaga Falls in green. And uh, so, so missionaries typically wear their missionary uh, garb, right? And they come. And so this is my missionary garb for the month of December. This is the way you dress up when you are a elementary school administrator. You dress in red. And you, so you're noticing I'm even dressed in red that, don't, that does not match, right? So, so I dress in all kinds of shades of red and put them all over me. I have a scarf, and I show up at chapel every day with this red scarf, and I say, hey, kids, what does this red scarf represent? And, of course, good Christian school kids are going to raise their hand and say, well, that's the blood of Jesus. I say, well, that would be nice if it represented the blood of Jesus, but actually uh, my scarf represents when... Beaker gave Scrooge a scarf, right, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Because I want us to be reminded when you see me out in the, in the car door opening, when you see me in chapel, that there is joy in the place of giving. And so when Scrooge finally got over into giving, right, Beaker gave him that red scarf. And so I wear that red scarf all, for every day, all day long. All the way through, and so this is my missionary garb, right, for the, for the, uh, for the month of December. Now, I, I want us to, to kind of come into this introduction time of, of the Advent here today with, with a, kind of an unusual message, because typically when we think of the, the Advent, we, we zip over to Luke 2 that, that, uh, that was read for us here by Andy this morning. And we start down that great uh, passage, and we study about Mary, and we study about the, the shepherds and their rejoicing. And then we have uh, Elizabeth's song, and we have Zechariah's song, and we have Mary's song. And that's the passage that we kind of live in in, in, the, in the Advent. Um, there, there's also a passage over in Matthew. And so Matthew's passage actually tells the story. That's the story of Mary. Matthew's passage actually studies the, the passage that is the story of Joseph. And so my thought one year was, wow, wonder if we put those two stories together and we made them the marriage of Mary and Joseph. What would happen? And so you say, whoa, it sounds like you're going to preach into the afternoon pretty deeply here. But, but we're going we're gonna to try to just outline these two passages. But let's start then with Joseph's story, all right? It comes, uh, it comes first in the, in the order of the New Testament here, but probably second, second in the chronological order. Uh, but, but, but here is a chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and watch, watch how in Luke here, the, the word Holy Spirit, and also uh, in the, the passage Andy read, the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit here in this passage. Uh, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Said Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, which is another big recurrence in the, in the Christmas story, right? To take Mary home um, as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit again. Okay, there we go. Uh, she, she will give birth to a son, and you give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. 
through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God's, God with us. When Joseph woke up, and I want you to watch these two words here, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until, he, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, it's, it's interesting just to walk through Joseph's story here for just a second. And to think about, okay, the first, the first story of Christmas is this man, Joseph. And if, uh, because I'm in, element, in elementary school, I am used to Christmas pageants. Everybody like Christmas pageants? A show of hand if you like the Christmas pageant. We love that, right? Because kids, kids get up on the platform and they're dressed up. I actually, uh, at Chapel Hill Church one year, was the rear end of a camel. And so, so that is my one, that was my one moment in Christmas pageant, okay? Jeff Johnson was the front end. I was in the costume uh, in the rear end. It was hot in there, I'll just let you know. And, and I got to put my head on Jeff like this and walk like this, and it was, it was quite an experience. So, so we love Christmas pageant. It's interesting that in some Christmas pageants, Joseph will talk. But actually, in the Christmas story, Joseph never speaks. This is kind of interesting. It tells us what Joseph did. And so that, those two words, it says, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. It's kind of, kind of wonderful, really. He was not running his mouth. He was listening, and then he was acting. Now, now how, how does he start out here? Well, the thing that's not written in here, just historically, is Joseph could have had what we would call a, a legal response to what happened to him. So he could have said, you know what, uh, I, I'm, an, I'm betrothed to this woman to be married, and in my culture, if there is a woman who is found to be pregnant before we come together in marriage, then we take her outside the city gates and we're allowed to legally stone her to death. So, so this would have been his right. Now, it, it is interesting, isn't it, uh, the, in the culture that we live today, it, is a lot of us are saying, well, this is my right to act a certain way legally. Now, now we may have, may have approached that idea without ever speaking to God or being directed by the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit is actually all over this passage. You say, well, no, wait, I have a right to act how I want to act or to speak in public how I want to speak or to, uh, so some people actually are going as far as to say, I have a right to sin if I want to sin. Wait a minute. So, so Joseph is, is interesting because of being a righteous man, it says. He opted not to take the legal response. In fact, he says, I'm going to go beyond the legal response. This is before the angel even comes to him in a dream. He says, you know, because I'm righteous, I'm actually not going to talk about Mary publicly. I'm not going to take the legal approach. I'm not going to claim my rights. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put her away privately 
so that she is not disgraced. Hmm, wow. That's the, that would be a very, what we would consider here, a godly, a righteous approach for the handling of this situation. Very, very awkward situation. Uh, but, but Joseph actually then is, is met uh, in a dream. And actually Joseph is, an, is, is interesting because he keeps having these dreams. If I'm Joseph, I'm a little bit afraid to go to sleep. Because every time I'm going to sleep, I'm getting one of these dreams. And actually, every time Joseph goes to sleep, almost, it's, it's the dream of a U-Haul, right? Is he says, hey, pack your bags. We want you to go somewhere else. Pack your bags again. We want you to go somewhere else. Pack your bags. So, so three or four times in the story of Joseph, he's, he's got his U-Haul, and he is getting ready to go. I don't know how many people like to move. Yeah, that's what I thought. No show of hands, right? We don't, like to, we don't like to put our stuff in the U-Haul and move it. But, but every time Joseph goes to sleep, this angel shows up in the story and says, hey, time to move somewhere else. And actually the first dream is time to move Mary in with you. Wow! That is completely countercultural and completely going, going upstream against what would be normal. And so, so Joseph actually is asked to have the supernatural response when the angel comes and says to him, do not be what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid here, all right, to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. And, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph here uh, does not uh, actually take the righteous or the, uh, good, the good guy response. What he does is he takes a supernatural, he makes a supernatural, miraculous response to Mary, and it said he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do, and he took Mary home as, as his wife, but he's still a righteous person, so he says he's not going to have union with her uh, until the child is born. And then he's going to do what the angel told him to do. He's going to give him the name Jesus. Exactly. Thank you. He's going to call him Jesus. Now, now he, he goes, he goes uh, back, back to sleep, and he says, hey, you, you need to pack up everybody and go to Egypt. Each time this happens, it says, so Joseph got up. And sometimes it sounds like he got up in the middle of the night. It messed up his sleep pattern, right? He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm going to pack everybody up, and we're going to Egypt. I, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night, I'm going to pack everybody up, and I'm going back to Judea. I, I, and, but, but actually, uh, I got there, and it's saying, oh, still danger here, so I'm going to move. I, I have another dream. I'm going to move everybody up to Nazareth. And it's very interesting, right, that every time he does this, it says so that they could, uh, he, he could be a part of fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. So here you get a carpenter. And you say, wow, uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, a Sunday school teacher, a theologian, or a pastor. But, but he, he is a part of 
fulfilling prophecies that were made between 1,000 and 700 years before his time. And he is on the cutting edge as a carpenter following God because what? He didn't talk about it. He listened and he did what God said. Man, that's, that's, to, be, that's to be admired. And so, so his, his supernatural response is he listened and he obeyed. So what about the story then that Andy read to us from the book of Luke and Mary's story here? Let's look at that for one second. In, in Mary's story, the angel uh, visits her. And there, there is kind of a three-step process for Mary's thinking. And, and the very first part of that process is the angel shows up and says, Hey, Mary, you're highly favored. And I don't, I, I got to tell you that I don't think the, the, the angel who showed up here, the angel Gabriel, that uh, that gentleman is a little cherubic uh, person with a harp or a little bow and arrow that the arrow bounces off of you. Um, I don't think it's a, a, a wimpy individual with, kind of like droopy wings, I think you, you have a muscle-bound, warrior-like kind of person come into that space with Mary and say, you are highly favored, and his voice is booming. And why do I think that? Well, maybe just my opinion, but Mary's first response is what? I'm afraid. Wow. That, I wonder what kind, of, what kind of announcement this is. And we want to consider Mary, right? She, she's, she is, uh, she's in this kind of peculiar place where you would be afraid. I'm wondering if I'm going to get taken outside the city gates and stoned to death. That could be the next part of my uh, life here. And, you know, for some of us uh, during this time, you say, and I, I ask this of the kids at school, I say, well, what are you afraid of? And it, it is a great, that's a great question in chapel. Everybody wants to raise their hand and tell Pastor Wilson, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm afraid of. And, and I remember one, one, of our little, one of our little slogans at Chapel Hill with kids is, you know, what's God been saying to you? What's God been saying? Been saying anything lately? And uh, kids love to answer that question. I, I didn't know that. But, but as I started asking that, they love to say, well, yeah. Now, every once in a while you get, oh, oh, oh right? Oh, oh, oh. Right? But, but sometimes, sometimes kids just answer this question of what God's been saying. They go, whoa. So, so Kane Robinson, as a first grader, you know, he, I say, hey, Kane, what's God been saying? He goes, oh, Pastor, God has been in my dreams. It's just like Joseph, right? God was in Kane's dream. I said, well, whoa, fantastic, Kane. What's God been saying to you? He said, he, says, he said, well, he came in my dreams, and it was God and Jesus and they said to me, Cain, you do not have to be afraid. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like the story. I said, well, Cain, I, I didn't know you were afraid of something. What are you afraid? He goes, well, I'm afraid of the dark. Well, awesome. And, and so, so, so God told you, you do not have to be afraid of the dark? Is that what you're telling me? He goes, yeah, in my dream. That's what God told me. Now, a Andy Flaker had a dream over, the, uh, over last night. He, I heard this when I come, came into this, to the building today. And he says, man, I had a dream and I was afraid. 
I said, what are you afraid of, Andy? He says, well, I had a dream that you didn't show up to church today. <laughs> and guess who's preaching if I don't show up, Andy, right? Either Jen or Andy get to preach, right, if I don't, if I don't show up today. So, so here I am. They, they, got to, uh, they, they get to sit and listen. Um, but, but Mary has this initial response of, I'm afraid of what kind of announcement this is. And so, so similar to the pattern that we've been watching, the angel says to her those great words, um, do not be what? What? Afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because you have found favor. It's the same word, kind of a similar word as grace. You found you found grace with God. God is going to give you what you do not even deserve. And this is what it will be, is you're going to be with child and give birth to a son, and, and you're to give him the name Jesus, right? Exactly. Same, same kind of message coming out here. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord uh, God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You are going to give birth to the boss, the big guy, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Wow, fantastic. Mary's next response, though, is, you know what? I don't know that that's actually physically possible, by the way, because I have not ever been with a man, right? How, how will this be? So she's going to go actually now into, from fear, into the potential of, well, hey, I'm not sure I can do this, almost from fear to anxiety or fear to unbelief or fear to, well, it's just not, I don't think this is possible, what you're telling me. Um, and, and I love that passage, don't you, in Philippians? I mean, when I walk into a hospital room, I'm always struck with the passage, hey, don't, don't, don't worry about what? Anything. But in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving that we just came through, right? Let your request be made known to God and the... Yeah, we're going to light that candle here in a Sunday, right? The peace of God that passes understanding will keep your heart and your mind not in your chest and your head, but in a person. Who? Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And when that passage is quoted at a bedside or next to a deathbed, uh, people actually begin to think, wow, uh, what am I thankful for? And we begin to pray through those things of thanksgiving, and we move from anxiety into peace. It actually is a prescription for peace. It's right there in Philippians 4. And so, so the, the, the angel is going to say, hey, Mary, guess what? With God, nothing is impossible. The Holy Spirit is going to come into this scene, and you will be overshadowed, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so Mary now moves from beyond the unbelieving response, the response of anxiety about it not being possible, 
and she moves into a supernatural response for a young woman here. And you can read her response uh, as you go on through Luke chapter 2 here in a place called Mary's Song that basically just erupts. And a young woman is saying, I praise God because he's considered his handmaiden. And so her response is, I'm God's maid. I like the way, I like the way Peterson puts this uh, in the message. He says, he says, and I'm ready to serve. You see what's happening in that, in that, in, in that uh, transliteration there? It's a move from, it's a move from, this is my identity. I'm the handmaiden or the servant or the slave or the maid of God into I'm ready to go. What could I do next? How could I serve? A lot of us like to be willing to serve, but when they say, hey, could you actually do this thing for us? Well, that's not really my gifting. M M Mary says, no, you know what? I I'm the slave of God. Where can I go to work? And so her supernatural response is a total yielding to the request of God in her life. Mm. So now let's, let's bring those together. And so, so in a moment, uh, th this is where C.S. Lewis would say that what we have is the, the, the deeper magic or what we were singing about, the mysterious or the wondrous mystery, right? What happens when we bring those two persons together and we say, wow, here's someone, Mary, who is totally yielded to the will of God. Here's someone, Joseph, who is willing to obey everything God has said and they're going to come together and that united heart of their marriage then becomes the place where Jesus Christ could be born whoa and then I start thinking about my heart <laughs> and you can think about your heart at this Christmas season and we can go down the, this progression. And I'll tell you what, if we go down the progression right now, uh, we would say, yeah, uh, I've, I've been tempted to just be legal or just be righteous. Uh, I've been tempted to be fearful or unbelieving. If we were to sh have a show of hands to that, we won't. But if we have to show of hands, most of us would raise our hand during 2020 to say, you know what, I, I actually have had to come through that progression uh, but but here, here is where hope springs eternal and gets moved over into joy. Is where we say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to yield to the will of God. And I'm going to obey everything he calls me to do. Let me just say, by the fact that you're seated here or you're watching remotely right now, you're doing that. Praise God for you. This would be a time where you could say, I'm turning off church. Right? You could do that. But, but actually, people uh, are yielded. People are obeying. Thank you for doing it. Now, is it, is it a thing we can just stop doing? Was Joseph able to listen to the, the first message of the angel and say, 
Well, I'm glad I obeyed that first one. I got up and I did what he told me. <laughs> now, actually, he has to then load everybody up and go to Egypt. He has to load everybody up and come back to Jerusalem. He has to load everybody up and go to Nazareth. He has to continue to obey, and he doesn't argue or grumble like the Israelites. He says, I'm going to be the light of God and fulfill Old Testament prophecy. What would God like to fulfill through you and I this Christmas as we walk through Advent together? Now, here's even, as Lewis would say, uh, Aslan's deeper meaning or his deeper magic, right? And that would be that, wow, when, when my heart is yielded and out of that yielded heart I obey, I begin to actually point to the person of Jesus. Do you remember what he said at the place of the garden? Not my will, but thine be done. Total yielding. Now, it would have been one thing to yield in the garden and then not choose to, to put the cross on and go all the way to Calvary. But he obeyed. It's a very interesting thing. The re, one of the recurrences in the death of Christ is, and he opened not his totally yielded to what God asked him to do and obedient. And so the house that he was brought up in, that he was able to be born in, was that, how, that home where there was a heart yielded and a heart that was obedient. Jesus takes up the call and does both things. And so Mary and Joseph, their story at the beginning of Advent began to point already, right? to that place where your and my salvation is purchased, the cross of Christ. And we sang so wonderfully th uh, this morning about the wondrous mystery, right? And the wondrous mystery doesn't end in his death and inside of a tomb. He got up, as one preacher says. And he was, he was resurrected out of that tomb by the power of God. And so you and I, not only are able, enabled to have a yielded, obedient heart, but you and I this Christmas are, are actually able to have the very life of Christ alive in us, the hope of his glory at this Christmas, the Christmas of 2020. I'd like to pray that in today. Can we do that? Let's pray it in. Father in heaven now, I kneel here to pray today. Uh, because I want us to think about our heart. And I want you to look at my heart. Is it wholly yielded and then willing to walk in the steps of obedience? Lord, we just like to commit to you right here in the quiet that yielding and that obedience. Just take a moment to pray that in your own way right now.